Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. And we're marriage counselors, and we head up the marriage department here at Focus on the Family. This week, we're talking about love styles. I'm so excited. This is really helpful to know when you're married. Yeah, because our love styles really impact how we connect. Uh, It impacts how we communicate, deal with conflict. You know, Erin, I know for us, just learning and understanding what is our love style. I know for me that I'm what the Yurkoviches, and that's Mylan and Kay, who are actually our guests today, what they call an avoider. So let me describe. So some of you will go, oh, that's me as well. You know, an avoider, we tend to be more private, self-sufficient, kind of, you know, desiring our own space. You know, we say I'm fine a lot. I'm sure, Aaron, that's shocking to you. Um, You know, we we can minimize um, an attempt to evade conflict. Mm. I'm laughing because that is so true. (laughs) Very task-oriented, high achiever. You know, we we often then show love. And this was what was really, really good about mm. the, just understanding this love style, the avoider, is that I, I tend to show love by doing things for you instead of connecting. Mm-hmm. Because, right, that's been a huge source of, of conflict mm-hmm. between us. I mean, there's times where we're like, I feel so disconnected. Why aren't you pursuing me? Why don't you want to connect? What is wrong with you? I well, don't say what's wrong with you. <laughs> this, at least the way I heard it. But, oh, I know uh, you did. What's wrong with me is that the Yurkoviches say that I'm an avoider. Yeah, That's what's but, going on. And you're always like, oh, I've done this and this. I'm like... I know you've done right. that, but we're not connected. But in your mind, we are because that's how you show love. Right. Because there's times where, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, I get up early and then, you know, I might throw a load of laundry in. I might, you know. Oh, I forgot the... to put the laundry in <laughs> well, the dryer. I already ah. did it. That's okay because <laughs> I did it. Um, or I might, you know, clean up the kitchen area, unload the dishes, just mm-hmm. do all these mm-hmm. things thinking, man, Aaron is going to feel so loved by all this amazing stuff that I did. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I used to think there was something wrong with me. Like, why don't I have this deep, deep desire to to connect with you at this deep level? And it's just good to understand that. Yeah, but I'm a vacillator by trade, according to the Yurkoviches. And really what this is, is I come close. And if it's not feeling so good, then I go away. So I come close and then I scoot away. And I enjoy those intense bonding connections. And when they're not happening, sometimes I'll get a little angry. But I will say over the years, I see reading the description of it that the Yurkoviches have, I will say that early on in our marriage, this stuff screamed. And what I love about what the Yurkoviches promote is that the connection between a husband and a wife actually brings healing to these patterns. Because some of the stuff with the vacillator I connect with now, but a lot of it I don't, which is just so amazing that 31 years later, a lot of this stuff begins to heal because it all comes from our wounds from childhood. Yeah. And for me, you know, there, there certainly... 
looking for ways to connect emotionally with you Mm -hmm. is something that I've learned Mm -hmm. to do over time and learn the importance. And so this is why this episode is going to be so much fun because we're going to keep talking about these love styles and the Yurkoviches in their book, How We Love. They've done such a good job. Mm -hmm. We we think that's one of the best marriage books Mm -hmm. out there. You know, we've got some great segments coming up. So later on, we're going to hear a devotion from Bill Arbuckle about loving your spouse well. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, how can she and her husband find ways to solve problems when their families of origin taught them to do conflict very differently? But first, I had a fantastic conversation with Mylan and Kay Yurkovich about how you can best understand your love style. They're author speakers with some important things to share. So let's listen to the conversation with Mylan and Kay Yurkovich. We've been married, it'll be 31 years, May 30th, and we see that things are changing. And so as you guys look at, you've been married 51 years. So how have things changed and what was the impetus for that change? Well, the impetus was defining the brokenness to begin with. Mm. Um, You know, Myla could complain, well, you're not very affectionate, or I could say, well, you feel too needy. But why were we making those complaints? Mm -hmm. And when we understood that attachment wounds were at the root of those complaints, Mm -hmm. then we realized that, well, if I could own the fact that I'm an avoider and I could make an effort to grow towards a secure connector and face those injuries and do something to heal them, I would be less and less an avoider. And if Mylan would face that, He was the codependent pleaser, and a lot of his pursuing was about making sure he felt okay more than feeling, you know, if I'm okay, you're okay, Mm -hmm. was his motto. So understanding, it's like getting a diagnosis from the doctor. There's usually treatment after a diagnosis, Mm -hmm. and you can cooperate with the treatment or you can not cooperate. But we, we cooperated largely out of obedience to begin with. We had a asked a prayer, Lord, something's broken, we don't know what. Mm-hmm. He began to answer that prayer, and we could recognize that this core pattern we were doing was connected to our history. So yeah. as we each faced our style and made efforts to grow out of it for a secure connector, we began to notice that core pattern weakening, and then we learned also to do the comfort circle, which was another major piece of learning to communicate and to listen in a way that we just were not trained to do as kids. Yeah. And I always say no one teaches us this stuff. No one Mm -hmm. talks about, you know, your, you know, your attachment style is this and, you know, therefore you might struggle in this way. And then actually it's your responsibility to really figure out what's going on inside of you and then go back and have a different conversation with your person, with your spouse. And so that's what I just love about your material, because it is so right on. And I love the five different types of attachment styles that you've come up with. And you kind of just covered two of them, Kay, as far as the avoider and the pleaser. What are the other types of connections? Well, these are again, defined by research. You have the insecure avoider, 
which is minimizing, dismissive. They want to fix stuff, and they have low levels of empathy. Then you have the codependent caretaking pleaser that is only okay if you're okay. okay. And then you have the insecure vacillator who had connections at some level, but those connections were early on in their lives, but those connections were broken or severed or intermittently reinforced. And so they become anxious about the consistency of attachment. Mm. And so they are preoccupied about that in the attachment research. They're called preoccupied Mm. and they're also called ambivalent, which is that push pull that you described based upon their levels of preoccupation. They will uh, push uh, and they're the protesters. Uh, They protest if they feel the other person is somehow the cause of their feelings of, of agitation, anxiety, and tension. Uh, they don't realize those are historical feelings, uh, and so they are the ones that protest. Mm-hmm. Now, the avoider, like you said, they flee. They get out of Dodge. The pleaser over-pursues, but they also freeze up, and they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Then another researcher from Cal uh, Dr. Mary Main and her husband, Eric Hesse, just really researched and said there's another category to add to these attachment experiences, and that is the chaotic, disorganized home, where mm. the child is growing up in a home where there is fright without solutions for the child. They have nobody to go to. They are, you know, a dependent child, but yet they're frightened by the experience, and the parents are operating at a very subpar level due to addictions, um, criminality, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that was added into the core of of attachment styles Mm -hmm. as a person then becomes more controlling if they came out of that environment. They control for the purposes of wanting compliance. And then the victim acquiesces and, and yields because they have tolerated the intolerable their whole life, and they continue to do so in adulthood. Wow. So these are the these are the attachment styles that are wounded, and they are not a permanent handle. They are the starting spot as we move towards secure connection. Mm, it's all so informative. And so would you say the best way that listeners can discover what style they are is, would you say, to, to take the How We Love assessment? Yes, taking the How We Love quiz is a great starting point because at least it has um, brief descriptions of all the styles. We find that people from difficult homes may be the controller or the victim, mm-hmm. or but they often test high in three and sometimes even four areas. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And that is because in the chaotic home, nothing really works. In my home, everybody learned the rules. Don't be needy. Don't show up feelings. Don't cry. Don't get angry. Mm. Uh, and so it worked. Everybody got along better with everyone following those rules. Rather, in the chaotic home, a child can try an avoider strategy, but it won't work. They can try a pleaser strategy. They can try a vacillator strategy. I think the, the thing that we say to people who score high in multiple areas is pick the thing you do most or the relationship you most want to change. Okay, okay. And 
So sometimes that takes a discussion with your your spouse if you're married to say, well, of these files, which do you experience the most of from me in our relationship? Oh, that's a that's a good question because that's a little vulnerable to go to your spouse and go, okay, which one do you experience in me? But such a good question. And what would you say to that couple? that uses these styles and use, kind of villainizes them. I've worked with some couples and they're like, well, now that's just his, uh, his avoider. That's his, uh, his avoidant style. And, you know, I, I am like, well, gosh, I, I wonder if it's better for him to talk about that than you. What would you say to a couple if you were sitting with them and they were weaponizing? Well, that is a fabulous question because uh, people can and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and allow me to say, in our workshops, people always say, well, which one's the best one or which one's the worst one? And I'll say... <laughs> I actually was thinking that question, but... <laughs> yeah. And, and we say to them universally, none of these work well in relationships. None. Okay. And so um, the vacillator, avoider, pleaser, controller, victim, they're all unsuccessful in a relationship. And Aaron... What's so interesting, the divorce rate is super high in the church and outside the church. Mm-hmm. So um, specifically to your question, yes, your husband is becoming and is reverting into that avoider position, but then I'll qualify that and I'll say, but I wonder why. Mm-hmm. It's a defense. You see, he learned it early or mm-hmm. she learned that very early, and it's natural for them to digress into that position when they're threatened. Mm. Why don't you ask your husband if he is feeling frightened, mm. anxious? I, I know. Let's get out the soul word list. And you ask your husband, what was he feeling right before mm. he reverted into that position? Mm. So we can actually use that skillfully in uh, the office to help them learn. And then hopefully with time, they develop empathy instead of militancy toward the other person's style. Mm, That's so good. And it's so true. Gosh, if we're curious about what's going on with our spouse in those moments, because so often they don't show up like that all the time. Like you're saying, it's when they feel threatened and they use these strategies to protect to protect right. their heart. And so it's such a, a good question to just be curious about what is going on over there right now and yeah. to you know offer that versus, mm, there it is again, there's your avoider coming out. It's such good information. I loved this interview. Greg, you had laryngitis, so I was so sad that you weren't (laughs) able to be here because it was like my dream come true to get to interview Mylon and Kay. And, you know, so so many times people will go, well, I know my style now, but what does it matter? Like, what do I do now? So what? What do I do with this? And really, there's so many things that we can do with it in order to grow and become more aware of how are we showing up? What are we bringing to the table? Yeah, and I think that always begins, if we're going to grow, it's really doing that self-awareness. And for me, you know, as I reread, you know, what an avoider means, it really was good to see, I talked about this earlier, that part of the way that I try to express love is by doing things. Well, part of that growth is understand, well, does that speak love to you? Like if I'm trying to yes. do these all these things, <laughs> 
you know, d- does that actually speak love to you? And so that, that'd be a great question mm-hmm. for me is mm-hmm. to just as I grow to ask you, is that is that the way that you want me to express love is by doing things? Yes. And I would say yes, depending on the season. But my overall vacillator stance is that I like to have deep emotional connection. Yeah. So yes, doing things does speak love to me. But what I really long for at my true core is that deep emotional connection. So many times that doesn't come when you empty the dishwasher. I love that. And it speaks love to me, but it's not meeting that deeper desire in my heart. Yeah. And that's a great point. And so again, part of my own growth then around these love styles is really understand, yeah, what speaks love to you. And that's why I do know that having those deeper emotional conversations to where I'm pursuing you so that you feel seen. Mm. And that's even something... Aaron, lately that that I've been hearing you talk a lot about is that desire to be seen, mm-hmm. to be known. And, mm-hmm. and again, that's always been such a good reminder mm-hmm. for me that, boy, that's so important when I express gratitude, mm-hmm. that, that helps you to feel seen because then I'm noticing what you've done, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I appreciate like, or whatever. Like I mowed the lawn last night and planted flowers and put down grass seed. Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that the grass was cut. I didn't notice the flowers, so I'll have to you go. You didn't notice the grass seed? No, I didn't <laughs> notice I the seed either. and plowed. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at you. Man. Yeah. But it's so true that I would say as human beings, one of our deepest desires is to be seen. And there's something about a couple sitting together and both feeling seen. Hearts feel so safe. Yeah. I for me, I think another part of growing within your love style is just to really better understand what triggers you. So for me, because, you know, I'm so task oriented, so trying to get things done, thinking, oh, that's going to speak, you know, love to Aaron when I do all these things, then often if something then happens that frustrates you, in my mind, but I've been doing all these things. So then I start to defend myself. So then, mm-hmm. you know, because now I've been triggered. It's just such a good reminder for me that that when I get triggered, just to step back in, in instead of debating or jumping into that argument, mm-hmm. that I do have an option to step back and go, whoa, I don't, I don't want to defend myself. What's going on right here? It's often it's that maybe I, I you know, oh, she just didn't notice all the amazing things I've done. So mm-hmm. she has no right to feel mad at me now because I've done 50 things that are good. <laughs> so why can't she just ignore this one? But but stepping back and really taking that to the Lord, spending some time praying, boy, that, that, that can help keep me from then defending myself. Mm-hmm. And another thing that is really important to be doing amidst acknowledging your love style is to practice self-compassion, that how we are showing up in this style that we have developed, there's there's painful stuff behind mm. that there's reasons why we're showing up the way we are and just practicing self-compassion instead of judging ourselves as well as practicing compassion with our spouse is important instead of judging how they're showing up. Well, I tell you, I so appreciate Mylon and Kay and the work that they've done. You know, How We Love, that is one of our very, very favorite books. And the good news is you can get their book here at our ministry. We can send that to you for a gift of any amount 
So again, that book's called How We Love, Discover Your Love Style, Enhance Your Marriage. It's because of your financial support that we're able to do this podcast. So please donate and then get that book today. All the details for this are in the show notes. And we'll also have a link to the love style quiz so you can discover your love style. I give that quiz to almost every single couple that comes in because it's so good to just have that awareness of what is my style. So that, that link will be in the show notes. Hey, it's Bill, the word picture guy. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all you do be done in love. Well, today on the show, Greg and Aaron are talking about how you love your spouse. But what good can love do when you face challenges in your relationship? Well, there's a story from India that might just inspire you. It's the true story of Maji and the mountain. What good will it do? A hammer and chisel against a mountain? The villagers thought Maji had gone crazy. Why else would a man attack a mountain with a hammer and a chisel? Maji, it's useless. Think of your family. But the Indian man was thinking of his family, especially his wife. He had buried her yesterday. She was twice a victim of the mountain, first when she slipped on the steep trail and tumbled down the rocky path, and then when the mountain stood in the way of the doctor who could have helped her. Enough was enough. The mountain had claimed its last victim, and Maji had made up his mind he was going to tear the mountain down. For generations, the mountain was in the way. On one side lay Maji's poor village. On the other, food, medicine, and hope. Some villagers had braved the mountain and survived. Others, like Maji's wife, perished along the way. So now, The grief-stricken man raised his hammer and struck the mountain. A small crack appeared, and then another. Maji returned each day to challenge the mountain. Eventually, days turned into decades. Yet Maji kept chipping away at the mountain that had taken the love of his life. And finally, he defeated it. Where once a steep path blocked the way, there now lay a road that connected Maji's tiny village to the hope beyond. It took 22 years, but Maji beat the mountain with a hammer and a chisel and determination and love for his fallen wife. So what's the mountain in your way? What keeps you and your spouse from hope? Hammers and chisels don't work on rock-hard hearts, but when all you do is done in love, the persistence, the patience, and the prayers pay off. So let all you do be done with love. And like Maji, Never give up. Well, thanks, Bill. What a great reminder on how to love our spouse because it's easy to get busy. It's Mm -hmm. easy just to get so consumed with life and all this other stuff that it's easy to forget how to love each other well. Mm -hmm. So appreciate that, Bill. So, yeah, and Bill's always so great. And it's so important that we learn, like, what really does speak love to each other. And so really knowing what is it for your spouse, because it's probably different than how you show love or how you want to be loved. So really being aware, again, like you said, Greg, we get so busy and often we forget 
um, that this is an opportunity and an honor to really love our spouse well. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A. And this is the part of the show that we get to answer your burning questions about marriage. Yes. So please send us your questions. This is how we can best connect with you. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com. Click the button on the side of the show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance for no charge as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Emily. Let's listen to the voicemail that she sent in. Hi, Greg and Erin. My name is Emily. My husband and I have been married for 15 years, and our question has to do with families of origin. Both our parents have been divorced, and there's a lot of dysfunction. What do you do when you disagree or have different ways of handling those family of origin relationships? We want to make our marriage a priority, but really struggle through navigating some of those external relationships. So any advice, welcome. Well, Emily, you are not alone. Uh, every marriage is going to mm-hmm. deal with, you know, to some degree, just how to navigate those family of origin relationships. I know, Aaron, that you and I <laughs> have had to learn that over For 31 sure. years of marriage. And we continue to learn because through each season, those family of origin issues change or maybe they show up differently. And I would say one of the most important things is to make sure that your spouse knows that he or she is your top priority. And so, Emily, letting your husband know like you matter most. And so I want to work with you to figure out how to do this better. Okay, so let's say that, you know, one of our parents, you know, on either side of our family of origin, they do something and it triggers both of us or triggers mm-hmm. one of us, mm-hmm. how would I show you in that moment? So how would I demonstrate that you're my top priority? Because I feel that way mm-hmm. in my mind, in my heart, you are my top priority. But practically, like, what would that look like? I would say it's so important to me when you say that, just what you said. Hey, remember, you are my top priority. We're a team. We're going to figure this out in a way that feels good to you and to me. Not one of us is going to lose. So it's just recognizing that the, your words can have power and bring life to the conversation as far as you matter. I see you and I value you. Yeah. You're my top priority. And that could be a, a great discussion question between you and your spouse is just Mm -hmm. to say, hey, in those moments where we're dealing with extended family issues, you know, how how zero to 10, you know, how safe do you feel? How much of a priority do you feel in those moments with me? Mm. And if you're willing to really listen and not debate that, shut that, that down, depending on their answer, but that can make such a big difference because that's really, Emily, it has to start there. You can't go beyond figuring out how to deal with family if you don't both believe that you're the other's top priority. Mm -hmm. Like, I choose you. Like, when it comes to my family, Erin, I choose you. Like, it has to start there. Yeah. Well, if you 
don't do that, there's this underlying fear and insecurity in the relationship. So it's just super important to establish that. But then it's recognizing together we can come up with something that feels good to both of us. And it may be in the form of setting boundaries around what you both are comfortable with and not comfortable with. We often encourage the biological child, so whosoever family it is, to communicate that to the family yeah. because it's more likely to go better. And so granted, I you share that with my family. Correct. You and share I'll share that. it with my family. Granted, you can go together. I think that's a powerful thing to go together to have that conversation, but allow the whoever's family it is to lead that conversation. Yeah. And if we, you know, talk through first and foremost what those boundaries need to look like mm-hmm. and agree as a team. Mm-hmm. So it's got to, that, that discussion between you and I about one of our families, mm-hmm. it has to feel like a win for both of us. Like we mm-hmm. have to approach that as a team. So mm-hmm. let's talk this through. Let's figure out something that feels good to both of us because what, what hasn't worked in the past, mm-hmm. and this has happened to us, mm-hmm. you know, maybe let's say you're frustrated with one of my family members mm-hmm. and then you clearly want me to communicate this mm-hmm. to them. Well, maybe I'm not at a place that, that feels like a win to me yet, mm-hmm. or that's not quite what I want to communicate. Mm-hmm. So just being willing to go, no, let's you and I work this out first. Mm-hmm. And it has to be done as a team. We both matter. Mm-hmm. And, and then when we agree on that, then and I can deliver that. But I know that's mm-hmm. happened before in our marriage totally. where you're like, no, you need to go tell your parents. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't want to communicate that. Well, yeah. that's your family and you're the one supposed to be talking to them. Do you want me to say that? I mean, yeah. we had those Well, and it's before. recognizing that it's got to be a win-win because we're teammates. And so how do we come up with something that feels good to both of us? And, you know, I so often have couples coming in to seek counseling around family of origin issues. So go get help. Yes. And what I will say is it is not okay for either individual to be mistreated by your family of origin. And so often, if one of the spouse's families is showing up in ways that's harmful to maybe a husband or a wife. It's hard sometimes to set those boundaries with your own family and to speak up, but it's not okay for anybody to be mistreated and for the relationship to be at the cost of either one of you. And that sounds nice and cut and dry, Mm -hmm. but seek professional help. Go in and talk to a licensed Christian counselor to navigate that. Like, how do we navigate that? And often there's repair work that needs to be done if it hasn't gone well. And that licensed Christian counselor can help you with that. Well, thanks to Emily for your question. Such an important question. And you're not alone in that. Look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. If you're listening today and you have questions for us, contact us. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com. Click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. Yeah, and you can always call Focus on the Family, one 800 a family to talk to one of our licensed Christian counselors as a way to just get some initial thoughts Mm -hmm. on it. Boy, how do we move forward Mm -hmm. as a couple, as a team dealing with an extended family member? Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. 
Understanding your love style is a game changer. It helps you and your spouse learn more about each other and learn about yourself. It's so important for both of those things to be happening in order to keep your marriage strong. Yeah, and it really has made a difference in our marriage. So be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help to equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong, satisfying marriage. And we also want to see you grow spiritually both as individuals and as a couple so that you can invest in other couples to help them have thriving marriages. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.